It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts by the way those of you that want a free madden this is the easiest week of all to qualify to get a free madden for ps4 or xbox from me all you have to do is rate and review the show and then send me the screenshots ross at ross obviously the more of our shows over at ross that you rate and review the better chance you have of getting a free madden he is joe dolan He's an absolute stud, loving the email feedback I'm getting from you guys, loving as well the tweets, giving Joe shout-outs when he tells you about Will Fuller, DJ Chark. He's out here hooking people up these days, which is awesome. Check out Joe on Twitter, at FG underscore Dolan. Joe, let's start, as we always do, Thursday night, the Giants at the Patriots. Do the Giants have any skill position players that are going to play football on Thursday night, Joe? Well, it depends on your definition of skill, Ross. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that there are, there are too many here. Uh, it doesn't look like Wayne Gallman or Saquon Barkley is going to play. That's going to leave it to John Hilleman in the backfield and Elijah Penny. If Hilleman, look, a, a running back who's getting touches is always going to have some level of value. I'm just not sure uh, against this defense is where you want to start him. I consider him a low-end flex the one thing I do believe is Golden Tate is going to get peppered with targets. This is a really, really tough secondary. The Patriots are the first team since 1988 to not allow a passing touchdown through five games. It's a tough spot for Daniel Jones. So he's on the low, low-end QB2 radar. Um, I, I think it's Golden Tate, it's John Hilleman, and it's nobody else right now. This is a sacrificial lamb game for the Giants as the Patriots' cream puff schedule continues this early in the season. Why, why no Golden Tate? Don't you think they're going to be behind and throwing them the ball a decent amount? The secondary is just so good, and I'm fine with Golden Tate, by the way. I'd put him on the wide receiver three radar. I'm a little concerned that he was complaining after that game about how they were using him. Dude, you, you were suspended for a month, and you got six targets. Like, let, let's bump the brakes on that a little bit. But I would expect him to get close to double-digit targets in this game. So if you can deal with volume, and, and that's all you need, you don't need a high upside, I would consider Golden Tate in this game. I will say I am watching Darius Slayton. Um, he is somebody who's got that 4-4 speed, under 4-4 actually, and he's and he's flashed in two of his three games so far this year with Daniel Jones, just not in this game against Stephon Gilmore and company. And, and I guess if Evan Ingram plays with that MCL sprain, I would play him, but on a short week, it really doesn't look like he's going to be able to go. What about on the other side with the New England Patriots? Their offense has been kind of funky the last couple weeks. 
It has. This has been a team that's been built on defense. And Tom Brady threw three touchdowns uh, last week against Washington. But I don't think anybody would really say he played really well. Uh, but this is a get-well spot against this giant secondary. There's no two ways about that. The, the one guy I'm really keeping an eye on here is Philip Dorsett. What is his status? He suffered a hamstring injury against Washington. They're saying it's minor. But with a short week, there are a couple names that you have to point out. And number one would be Josh Gordon. I think this is a huge get-well spot to for Josh Gordon. He's seen a 20% target share or better in three consecutive games. His air yards lead all the Patriot wide receivers. And if Philip Dorsett can't play in this game, I think it is a big-time get-well spot for Josh Gordon. I'd be pursuing putting him in my lineup aggressively this week. And if I'm playing the Thursday to Monday DFS slates, one game DFS games, Josh Gordon is absolutely in consideration for my top lineup spot. I'm also considering on the lower end, Jacoby Myers, if Philip Dorsett can't play. Got it. Okay. And I, by the way, I was pretty surprised about Ben Watson. I, that, that did not, I, was surprised that, too. I did not see that coming. It looks like that they, they must trust Izzo and Lacoste, who have been giving them decent snaps. Uh, they actually played more uh, 12 personnel last week than I think they had the entire rest of the season combined up until last week with Izzo and Lacoste healthy. And they ran the ball well. And Sony Michelle actually caught his first three passes of the season. Look out, Marshall Falk. Here comes Sony Michelle. Uh, three for 32. That's a career best. And uh, it was also a season high. 18 routes run for Sony Michelle with the Patriots 17 point favorites. You would think this is a big spot for Michelle again. Okay. Wow. I didn't even realize this till looking at this, Joe. We got a 9:30 a.m. game. Yes, we that do. Is Carolina excellent. and Tampa, or versus Tampa. Yeah, and it's a good one. Carolina and Tampa. I, I didn't even realize we had a 9:30 a.m. game. Awesome. Uh, All I right. love waking up at, for this game and. One of the things that's going to be interesting is if you're playing just the DFS main slates, Christian McCaffrey is not going to be on the main slate because the early London games are not part of the main slates on the DFS site. So you might have to start building your lineup with somebody else. I don't know what else to say about the guy, though, Ross. I mean, 2,800 scrimmage yards is what he's on pace for, which would absolutely shatter the single-season record set by Chris Johnson about a decade ago. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. His usage is crazy. I would tell him right now that I'm sitting out the rest of the year unless they guarantee me the biggest contract for running back ever the day after the season ends because he can't get it till after his third year. I'd be look, the day after the season ends, I want the highest contract for running back ever because they, the usage they're giving him is craziness right now. Dude, this is ridiculous. And, and uh, this is obviously a better conversation for you and Andrew Brandt to have. Uh, but at some point, running backs have to try to take some power back into their hands. It didn't work with Melvin Gordon. It sort of worked with Ezekiel Elliott, but Christian McCaffrey, they're going to run him into the ground. Fortunately for him, he was a first-round pick, so he's relatively highly paid compared to his peers at the same position, but this is unbelievable, and, and look, you can't tell me Reggie Bonifon is going to come in here and do the same things Christian McCaffrey can do. I know he busted off the 50-plus yard touchdown run last week. Reggie Bonifon's not doing what McCaffrey does. And and to say the Panthers' offense does starts with him would be absolutely true. He does everything for them. And, and Kyle Allen is taking care of the ball, but Christian McCaffrey is the engine that makes this thing go. And I know people made fun of a – of, of saying that with the Rams and Gurley last year and C.J. Anderson came in and proved Gurley wasn't the engine. 
I don't think C.J. Anderson or Reggie Bonifon would come in here and make this Panther offense work nearly as, as much as it does with Christian McCaffrey. All right, what about uh, Kyle Allen? What about the receivers and tight end? I'm streaming Kyle Allen this week. Uh, unfortunately, he's not on the, the DFS uh, main slate, but I have Baker Mayfield in a league, Ross, and, and I nearly lost because of what happened with Baker Mayfield, and we will be getting to him. But Kyle Allen, uh, the Buccaneers have given up three straight top five quarterback performances, including big-time games by Teddy Bridgewater and Daniel Jones. Uh, Kyle Allen is certainly worth putting in your lineup this week. Uh, Curtis Samuel was a big disappointment last week, though. His his air yard share in uh, in week number four was huge, and that, and it made me think that, that he could be in line for a breakout performance, but unfortunately it was DJ Moore who ended up getting that. With Kyle Allen at quarterback, DJ Moore – and Curtis Samuel are both wide receiver threes with upside for me. I don't think they're boring wide receiver threes. I think they're upside wide receiver threes. The big problem here is what is going on with Greg Olson. After a huge start to the season, he has under 10 yards combined in his last two games, including a goose egg last week for the Panthers against the Jaguars, despite playing 98% of the snaps. He's on my bench until further notice. Buccaneers. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore and the Saints totally, totally took away Mike Evans last week. Uh, and the Panthers could not take away DJ Chark last week. This is a bounce-back spot for Mike Evans. And the problem with Mike Evans is when are you going to bench him? You can't bench him because as soon as you do bench him, he has a half like he had against the Giants where he, where he goes for 150 yards and two touchdowns and a half. So you can't bench him. You just got to take the lumps where they come. But it's very fair to say at this point that Chris Godwin out of the slot is the better, more consistent play. I still consider these two guys in this matchup against the Panthers high-end wide receiver ones. I think this is a good bounce-back spot for Mike Evans. Uh, what about... Godwin, what about the other receivers, tight ends? Well, Godwin, Godwin again, high-end wide receiver one here playing out of the slot. He's he's just one of those guys you lock and load each and every week, and he's always a DFS option as well. The tight ends, uh, this, this is a really, really big bummer because O.J. Howard is actually 12th among tight ends in routes run, but he has only a 9% target share, which is really hurting him. He's, he's droppable right now. I would prefer to probably keep him on my bench just to see what happens. But there are guys out there. Uh, Chris Herndon is coming back from suspension this week. We'll talk about him later. Uh, Hunter Henry might return to action sh uh, sooner rather than later. If those guys are out there on your waiver wire, I think both of those guys are more appealing at this point than O.J. Howard is. So O.J. Howard is, is, is a problem right now. And he has been the one guy who hasn't benefited from the Bruce Arians offense. Yeah, that's true. How about running back? Uh, Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber are both flexes. I, I know Jones has more upside to me, but Peyton Barber is the guy who got the touchdown last week against the Saints. Uh, they had uh, He had eight carries and one target to Jones's nine carries and three targets. Dare Ogumbawale uh, had three targets. They split the snaps basically 33%, 33%, and 33% to all three of these guys. That's the issue here. It's not that Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber are feeding off of each other. It's that Ogumbawale is the guy they trust on passing downs and as a pass protector, and he's eating into both of their snaps, and that's why neither of these guys is anything more than a flex to me right now. Redskins and the Dolphins. The Redskins now have Bill Callahan as their head coach. Sounds like he wants to run the ball a lot, Joe. Well, I'm sure Bill Callahan's going to fix everything that's wrong with this organization. 
I want to take off. I want to take off from uh, my Sirius XM show on Sunday and throw like the biggest blowout party possible for this game. This utter. I, I want. I want buffalo chicken dip, pizza, wings, and just have a Super Bowl party for this game because this might be the worst game. I have seen on an NFL schedule in quite some time, and we have been subjected to Titans-Jaguars for about 20 years running on Thursday night football. So this this is about as bad as it gets. The Redskins are actually favored in this game, though. And by that logic, you would think they're going to be able to run the football with Adrian Peterson. Chris Thompson got dinged up last week. Who knows who Callahan's going to pick to start at quarterback? There's three guys you can consider here. Terry McLaurin, who I would play, he put up 51 yards against Stephon Gilmore last week, which is, it's not a big fantasy game, but it was actually impressive to see that because Gilmore doesn't give up numbers to anybody. So I'd play Terry McLaurin. Adrian Peterson, I think you can use as a low-end flex. Just understand that if the game flow doesn't go well, he's not going to do anything uh, in this game. And then you can always play Chris Thompson because he'll play on passing downs. He had seven targets last week. He's always a good bet to get six to ten targets in a game. Um, I, I know Bill Callahan wants to run the football. I just don't think they have the personnel to get anything done. So Chris Thompson, who, is, who has at least five targets in every game, he's somebody I'd consider. Otherwise, this is a fantasy team I want to ignore. What about the Dolphins? Anybody fantasy-wise that you're not ignoring there? Uh, maybe Preston Williams, uh, the, the the wide receiver who who seems to be developing some sort of a rapport with Josh Rosen. Um, I Once again, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've kind of had a strict no Dolphins policy this year that's worked pretty well. But Preston Williams ha- is another guy. At least five targets in every game this year. He has 19 over Josh Rosen's two starts. So that's somebody who's worth considering. And I really want to see coming out of the bye what they do in the backfield here. Kalen Balaj, for my money, has been arguably the worst player I've seen uh, from a fantasy standpoint this year. He he cannot get out of his own way. He can't catch the football. He He's not finding holes. I, I mean, the guy's been a disaster. I want to see if the Dolphins work in Mark Walton, the second year uh, running back out of the U, uh, a little bit more. He had been getting more snaps, and there is reason to believe that he should pass Kalen Balaj on the depth chart uh, coming out of their bye. We can move on. Let's go to Eagles and the Vikings. Eagles, not exactly an impressive offensive performance against the Jets. Still don't know right now about Deshaun Jackson's status. What are you thinking from the Birds' point of view against the Vikings? Now, this is going to be fascinating to see if the backfield really starts to clean itself up because the wrench for everybody early in the season was Darren Sproles. And though his snaps and his usage had kind of gone down over the last couple of weeks, they still were playing him in some key situations. Well, it looks like he's going to miss uh, a, a couple of weeks, if not more, with a quad strain. And the Eagles have really seemed to figure out that Miles Sanders gives them quite a bit in the passing game. Now, he's averaging basically a yard per carry less than Jordan Howard, who looks really good as kind of a runner. They're really they're really letting him get going, get downhill. They should continue doing more of that. But Miles Sanders had four catches for 49 yards on five targets against the Jets. And the thing that they have really been impressed with is his pass protection. From my eyes, he's been one of the best pass protecting backs in all of football. So with Darren Sproles not out there, I think Miles Sanders is going to play significant snaps on third and four and longer, and that can mean a lot of catches, maybe some draws, maybe some runs out of the shotgun, and and they might be able to get him going. 
And with and with the Eagles only three point underdogs in this game, it suggests it's going to be close enough for Jordan Howard to continue to get work as an early down runner and in the red zone. I consider both Howard and Sanders high end flexes in this matchup. And because Darren Sproles is out, Howard and Sanders can complement each other as opposed to feeding off of each other, as opposed to eating into each other's production. So Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, their stock is up here uh, given the Darren Sproles injury. Okay, how about for the other side on the Vikings? Well, the really interesting thing here is what is Mike Zimmer going to direct Kevin Stefanski, the offensive coordinator, to do? They want Dalvin Cook to get 20 carries. I mean, they they came out last week and they did the thing they needed to do. They they greased the squeaky wheel with Adam Thielen. But Dalvin Cook is is the guy they want to get the ball. Dalvin Cook has at least 20 touches in every single game this year. The problem here is... Against the Eagles, running backs have been abysmal. In terms of ground performance, Le'Veon Bell's production against the Eagles last week, 15 carries for 43 yards, is the most the Eagles have given up in terms of total yards and yards per carry to a starting running back. That's absurd. That's like 2.8 yards per carry, and that's the best performance the Eagles have given up to a number one running back. So I think Dalvin Cook is going to have to make his hay through the air, which fortunately he has proven he can do. Six catches for 86 yards last week against the Giants. I wonder if he's a little bit of an interesting pivot play at the running back position because he's going to be expensive, and because of this Eagle run defense, people might be a little bit scared off. Uh, However, he can make an impact as a receiver. You would think this would be a good week to get Stefan Diggs and Thielen going again because the Eagles secondary has struggled. But the Eagles got a really good performance out of Orlando Skandrick off the street last week, which makes it interesting to see what they're going to do at corner because Rasul Douglas has also been playing a little bit better. And the key is going to be the Eagles pressure. If they can knock Kirk Cousins off his spot the way they did look last week, Luke Falk, you have to take that into account. Luke Falk, maybe Sam Darnold doesn't take half the sacks that Luke Falk took last week, but the Eagles sacked Falk 10 times. They hit him, I believe, 17 times. If they can even come close to hitting Cousins 8 to 10 times, this is going to be a tough spot for Cousins. That Eagles pass pass rush had not been getting home, and then it got home in a big way against the Jets. The question is, can they do it in Minnesota? Cousins, you still have to rank as a top 15 guy this week, though. Until we see the Eagles shut down a decent passing offense that actually has weapons and actually has competent quarterback play the way the Vikings do, I'm going to remain skeptical of that Eagle pass defense. So Cousins, Diggs, and Thielen are all in play for DFS. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, with the Eagles cornerback situation, Diggs and Thielen, you know, Diggs, Diggs and Thielen could have really good games. How about the Texans and the Chiefs? Are you thinking as many points as I'm thinking? Well, uh, so are the markets, Ross. This game is lined as the highest scoring game of the week, and and that's just going to be the nature with with Chiefs games. This is 56 points is the projected over-under. That's four points higher than Atlanta and Arizona, which is the second highest uh, of the week. And look, 
it was pretty obvious Will Fuller was going to blow up. I didn't predict 217 yards and three touchdowns, but it was pretty obvious he was going to blow up at some point. Uh, hopefully you used him for DFS the way I did last week. I, I, I called him out on the podcast. I said, this is happening. And knowing how high a character a guy Deshaun Watson is, he wasn't going to let what happened to him two weeks ago against the Panthers happen again. So yeah, I am thinking a ton of points in this game. The, the area of focus that I have right now is what about this backfield? Because Duke Johnson continues to look good and he continues to get out-snapped and out-opportunitied by Carlos Hyde. You would think if the Texans are going to be playing from behind and they are five and a half, six-point underdogs in this game, this should be an, uh, an opportunity for Duke Johnson to get going as a flex play. Um, we, 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 we mentioned Naeem Hines as a potential flex last week against these Chiefs. The game flow did not go as expected, but he still made a little bit of an impact as a receiver. I would think Duke Johnson is somebody who could get it going this week uh, against against uh, Kansas City as a lower-end DFS flex option. And remember, four teams are on by this week, so some of your players might be uh, might be out of your lineup. You can't use them. So he could be more of a lower-end flex. And obviously, Fuller and Hopkins and Watson are locked into your lineups. Um, on the other side, for the Chiefs, a little bit banged up. Uh, yes. Watkins left after whatever it was, the second play. Your thoughts on, on what to do? with the chief skill guys. Well, if Tyreek Hill plays in this game, I think he's actually going to end up being pretty popular for DFS because people are going to think, hey, he's coming back. The Texans have been giving up a ton of production. So Tyreek Hill, I, sometimes you get a discount on a guy coming back from injury for DFS. Uh, people tend to forget about him, but not usually the super high-profile guys. Uh, so I would think Tyreek Hill would end up being really, really popular for DFS if he plays. We are recording this on Tuesday, so we don't know just yet. So the other factor would be if Sammy Watkins doesn't play and Tyreek Hill doesn't play, who becomes the beneficiary? Because this guy, Byron Pringle, was the recipient of that awesome second reaction Patrick Mahomes touchdown pass last week against the Colts. He's somebody whose snaps would go way up if Watkins and Hill don't play. But if Hill plays or Watkins plays, Pringle probably gets relegated back to number four wide receiver status. So he's a guy you, you have to monitor the status of not just Hill, but also Watkins. Because if one of those two guys plays, I don't think Pringle's going to have a whole lot of value here against the Texans. So other than that, Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson each saw six targets. Those are probably safer options. The interesting thing for me here with the Chiefs, LaShawn McCoy played just 22% of the snaps and did not get a carry against the Indianapolis Colts. He had only two targets, and of course he lost that fumble. Um, so I wonder what his role is going to be. Damian Williams came in after missing, what, four weeks with injury, uh, three, four weeks with injury, and he played 58% of the snaps and got most of the opportunities in the Kansas City backfield, uh, he he uh, saw fifty excuse me fifty six percent of the snaps. He saw nine carries and four targets. So that was by far the lead in the backfield. Uh, he saw thirteen of the seventeen opportunities that this backfield had against the Colts. So by that usage, the Chiefs consider Damian Williams their number one back. He didn't produce a whole lot, and he got stuffed on fourth down, so I don't think he'd be particularly popular for DFS, but I would absolutely consider using Damian Williams in a DFS lineup as kind of a pivot play because their usage of him last week coming off injury suggests that Andy Reid believes he's their number one back. 
Let's get to the Saints and the Jags. Joe, Teddy Bridgewater, by far his best game. What got into him? Well, he threw the ball down the field. He was throwing it with confidence. It was really cool to see. Absolutely. Um, look, we criticized him on the podcast last week. And the the funny thing about him, though, is I don't think anything has really changed because I'm still not thrilled about playing Bridgewater for fantasy. Um, I know he threw four touchdown passes in that game, but he hadn't been particularly good in the two previous games. And this Buccaneers defense, it certainly looks like it was a little bit, at least in the secondary, it was a, a, a little bit of a smoke and mirror show in, in the first couple of weeks of the season. They've been getting utterly shredded lately. So I'm not going to freak out about Teddy. But what we can do is consider that maybe it raises the ceiling of the offense around him a little bit more. You're playing Alvin Kamara each and every week. You're playing Michael Thomas each and every week. That Jaguar secondary without Jalen Ramsey, this is an exploitable secondary. Michael Thomas is going to be chalky for DFS and for good reason. They line him up outside. They line him up in the slot. And he and Teddy Bridgewater have shown a connection. So Michael Thomas is going to be one of my favorite DFS plays. He's going to be kind of a lock and load, uh, start your lineup with him type of guy. The one guy I'm interested in, is Jared Cook finally going to get going? He scored his first touchdown of the year on six targets, caught four of them for 41 yards. He still played fewer snaps than Josh Hill, but the Saints have been using quite a bit of two tight end, even uh, even 22 personnel because they use Zach Lyon, the fullback. So if those are the t- that's the guy who I think you might be able to start considering once again. It was overall a bad week for tight ends. And Jared Cook kind of shined through a little bit. I'm interested to see if he's out there on waiver wires as well. I know I dropped him in a couple of leagues where I wanted to go pick up Chris Herndon. Okay, they're playing the Jaguars. I still have Minshew Mania. Another pretty good game for Leonard Fournette and your guy DJ Chark. Yeah, well, DJ Chark is going to get the the Marshawn Lattimore treatment in this game. The good news is Minshew is a super aggressive thrower, and he throws the ball to DJ Chark. So uh, I'm starting DJ Chark in a potential high-scoring game here, honestly. Uh, I'm starting him as a wide receiver, too. I, I was A couple weeks ago, I said, this guy's a locked-in three. I think he's more of a locked-in two right now. I really do. Uh, it, he just gets the ball thrown to him. Minshew throws him the ball. Uh, two weeks ago, he, he had like four catches for 45 yards but lost a touchdown to penalty. I'm just not worried about that right now when it comes to DJ Chark. Get him in your lineups. And I think D.D. Westbrook out of the slot against uh, against P.J. Williams, who's a solid player but not a great one, he could get more targets going forward because O'Shaughnessy, the tight end, who is actually kind of making a little bit of an impact here, he's now out for the season with an ACL tear, could open up more targets over the middle of the field for D.D. Westbrook. Anybody else on the Jags that we need to hit on? You mentioned O'Shaughnessy. You mentioned the receivers. We hit on Fournette. I think that's it, right? Well, with Fournette, he, that, that's the one I would say, once again, after looking terrible through the first three weeks of the season, he comes out and looks pretty darn good against the Panthers. He puts up uh, 137 yards from scrimmage on 30 opportunities. He's consistently playing up and over 90% of the Jaguars' snaps. It hasn't been pretty. But he got his first touchdown of the year last week because of the usage and because his play has been slowly getting better. He is a locked in RB1 right now. Moving on, we've got two more games here in part one. The next one's an interesting one. Seahawks at the Browns. Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. Out of his mind. And Baker Mayfield is not. Um, Let's start with Baker Mayfield. Ross, I'm, I'm sure you watched the game Monday night. 
between the 49ers and the Browns. Now, you're an old offensive line, but what does that offensive line look like to you in front of Baker Mayfield? They're average, but honestly, uh, I think overall they've probably been better this year than I thought they'd be. They went up against a good Niners defensive line. Really I think it was probably too. the worst performance of the year for the Browns offensive line, but I still think like Baker thinks he like can run around and you know, he thinks he's like Russell Wilson and he's not. He needs to be the guy that gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He needs to be more Drew Brees and less Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, you wonder if he has like a little bit too much of a different mindset. And there is there are guys who have the athleticism to play outside of structure, but I'm not. But like you said, I think Wilson. Um, I, I think Wilson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Carson Wentz. Not only do you have to have the mindset and the athleticism to do it, but you also have to have the ability to make those throws out of structure. And I'm not sure Baker has shown that ability. And right now, he is really struggling to reconcile with that. According to ESPN's QBR, he is the single worst starting quarterback in football this year. And I don't think anybody would have predicted that coming into this season. We usually think of guys making that second-year leap. Jared Goff made the second-year leap. Carson Wentz made the second-year leap. Lamar Jackson, we're seeing, is in the process of making a second-year leap. You can argue Josh Allen's doing that. Baker Mayfield has done nothing but regress. And the fact that he's surrounded with this kind of talent and he is regressing is a huge red flag for me. I still think this offense is going to figure it out. However, you cannot start Baker Mayfield right now. I'm starting Kyle Allen. I'm starting Gardner Minshew. Hell, I'd start Sam Darnold, who's coming back this week, before I'd start Baker Mayfield against this Seahawks front seven. I bet Pete Carroll and the boys are licking their chops to get after this guy who is playing with zero confidence and is playing so damn fast right now, he can't get out of his own way. You cannot play Baker Mayfield. And because of that, Odell Beckham's a wide receiver too. Jarvis Landry's a wide receiver three. Beckham has been a huge, huge disappointment. And I'm wondering how much of it is on him, how much of it is, him is on Mayfield, how much of it is on the coaching. Until I see something something positive from this offense against a decent defense, I cannot consider these guys as the same level of players that that I thought I drafted when I drafted them in August where I drafted them. Odell Beckham is not a borderline first-round wide receiver right now. He just isn't producing at that level. I think it's, uh, I think it's a good point, man. Um, yeah. it's, it's a lot of hype there. What about tight ends, Chubb? What do you got? Uh, tight ends are not usable right now. Uh, Demetrius Harris, Ricky Seals-Jones, and Farrow Brown are all splitting snaps. Uh, Seals-Jones, after that little bit of a breakout performance, did not catch his only target on Monday night. To quote Tupac Shakur, I know you're a big Tupac guy, Ross. I am a big Tupac guy. Nick Chubb is the rose that grew from concrete. He is the guy who is somehow rising above this crap that is uh, that Cleveland's putting out there. Very quietly put up 99 yards from scrimmage on 17 touches against the 49ers with, with the Niners just dominating that game. Nick Chubb is the one guy I feel good about. You play him each and every week. Um, the Seahawks, their run defense has, well, it, it's probably not been as good as you think it's been. 
They Todd Gurley scored two touchdowns against them last week, but only gave they only gave up 51 yards to him. Nick Chubb is a guy who you can put in a DFS lineup. It's not a great matchup, so people aren't going to be overweight on him. But you need to pivot away from Christian McCaffrey this week if you're playing the main slates because McCaffrey isn't on the main slate. I think Chubb could be a guy who maybe the Browns try to get back to basics and, and say, until this game is out of hand, we're going to give Nick Chubb the ball a, as much as humanly possible. I like it. What about on uh, what we talked about? um, No, actually, you know what? Let's get into the Seahawks a little bit. Chris Carson looks awesome, and the production is finally there. He's not fumbling. I'm glad last week against the uh, the Rams that he didn't that he didn't drop that touchdown pass. He was wide ass open, and he juggled it a couple of times, but he hauled it in to reward you with that. And look, Russell Wilson is playing. He's playing the best football of any quarterback in the league right now you you just can't argue with that he's he's in the zone and even though they're not having him drop back to throw all that much he is doing it so well with efficiency that it doesn't matter uh 23 pass attempts but he averages 11 yards per attempt and he throws four touchdowns he adds 32 yards as a rusher tyler lockett is in the zone we saw him catch that ball from wilson in the back of the end zone dk metcalf is the perfect kind of russell wilson wide receiver Two for 44 and a touchdown. You can always count on him to at least get a deep look in a game so you can use him as a wide receiver three. And the guy who I really like for DFS this week is Will Disley. The Browns gave up a touchdown uh, to George Kittle, breaking his uh, scoreless streak. Last week, they've given up four touchdowns to tight ends overall. I think Disley, who's playing a a, a super majority of the snaps here for, for Seattle, is a great DFS option. All of these guys are on the table for DFS for me if I'm looking at Seattle. The one thing I do want to keep an eye on, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, who have missed multiple games with hamstring injuries in that Browns secondary, will they be ready to play this week? I'm not sure they will. Um, I I don't even think if they do play, it changes my opinion a whole lot uh, outside of downgrading DK Metcalf. Got it. Okay. Um, The last game in episode number one here, It's the Bengals at the Ravens. Why don't you start with the Bengals? Oh, my God. Do I have to? (laughs) Uh, This team stinks. Uh, I mean, Andy Dalton had like 30 passing yards into the fourth quarter. Ended up actually producing decently last week against Arizona. uh, 262 and two touchdowns. The, the one thing that I can't figure out is why can't they get Joe Mixon involved in the passing game? He had just one target against the Arizona Cardinals, and he's actually started to look pretty good. But he's a great receiver. Uh, Zach Taylor comes from that, that Sean McVay school where Todd Gurley was so important as a receiver. But Joe Mixon has just 15 targets in five games, and that's not going to cut it. It's really not going to cut it. Uh, um, it. It's... It's really unfortunate right now that he can't because uh, I thought this is where even if the Bengals stunk, this is where his impact was going to come as a receiver checking it down. But they're using Gio Bernard just enough that Gio Bernard is not worth anything for fantasy, but he really eats into Mixon's production. And that's been a problem. The one thing I will say, Auden Tate, he got the six targets last week. He scored the touchdown. He had a drop or two. Unfortunately, he could draw the coverage of Marlon Humphrey this week uh, on the perimeter. Maybe Humphrey follows Tyler Boyd a little bit, but we have seen this Raven defense is exploitable. Even the Browns, who have been awful offensively, were able to put up points against them. I think you can consider Auden Tate uh, a wide receiver three, and you just keep playing Tyler Boyd as a wide receiver one here. 
Anybody else in the Bengals need to mention? Uh, Tyler Eifert uh, laid a gigantic egg in the in the matchup for tight ends against the Cardinals, so he is completely off the fantasy radar. Okay, what about on the other side, the Ravens? Still not feeling great about Lamar Jackson and where they're at. Uh, maybe we shouldn't have crowned him the next Dan Marino after those first two games uh, against the Dolphins and the Cardinals. I think Lamar's throwing the ball like crap. Uh, three interceptions on 28 pass attempts. Uh, how many interceptions is that him for him for the for the last couple weeks? Uh, let me get let me get an exact number for you there. Uh, he has thrown yeah he's thrown uh, five interceptions over the last two weeks when he's when he's uh, attempted just 62 passes. So basically one out of every 12 pass attempts he's thrown has been intercepted. That's not going to cut it. The great news is it doesn't have to because Lamar's getting it done as a runner. He's run for at least 46 yards in each of his last four games. He's run for at least 66 yards in three of his five games on the year. Uh, he, that includes a game in which he has a rushing touchdown and a 120-yard game. So you just keep rolling with Lamar Jackson against this crappy Bengals defense that gave up a uh, career-best 10 carries and 93 yards and a touchdown to Kyler Murray last week. Lamar Jackson is going to be the start of a lot of my DFS lineups. The question I then, of course, have is what is the status of Marquise Brown, who left the game with an injury last week, played just uh, under 50% of the snaps. If Lamar Jackson doesn't have Hollywood Brown, I'm not going to anticipate a whole lot of production with Lamar's arm. Anybody else that needs to be discussed on the Ravens? Yeah, Mark Ingram, uh, I really wish Lamar Jackson would check it down a little bit more because Ingram can really catch the ball. Uh, that being said, he hasn't been used in that role. However, he continues to look good as a runner. But unfortunately, because he only has eight targets on the season, he's kind of been a touchdown-dependent guy, and he and he's looked better than that. Like, he's looked better than the type of player who needs to be touchdown-dependent, but kind of like his counterpart in this game, Joe Mixon, he's not getting targeted as, as much as I thought he would in the passing game. Joe, that was amazing because, wait for it, you are amazing. Absolutely love it. I take your knowledge and I go right over to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Why not? Yahoo Daily Fantasy just released a new 500K contest. They call it the 500K Baller that has a first place prize of 50 G's. Why can you say both G's and K for thousands of dollars? I don't know, but check it out today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. That's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. When you make your first deposit, use promo code pod 25 for $25 in free play. That's pod 25 promo code for $25 in free play. Joe, we still need to get it done on the late games and the Sunday nighter, the Monday nighter, um, stuff from part one. If you didn't already check out the college draft and my power rankings on the Raw Sucker Football Podcast today, please do so. Plus my thoughts on last night's game. And we'll record part two right now. Put it in your podcast app shortly after midnight. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.